Welcome to Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast for and about women with chronic illness, autoimmune diseases and invisible disabilities. Here we share resources, accountability, knowledge and caring for each other in a way that brings hope to those who have felt a lack of value and worth due to the stigma and gaslighting around their illnesses. Hey everyone, good morning. One out of every two adult Americans lives with at least one chronic illness, often called an invisible disability. This community is the largest minority in the world, yet instead of feeling inclusive and wrapped in camaraderie, most of us feel alone, unvalued, and unworthy. We need doctors who understand us and colleagues and family members who believe us when we tell them something about our health. Just knowing the simple fact that we are not alone and still have much to offer can be life-changing. In this podcast, we share tips and strategies, knowledge and support. In other words, hope for those who are looking for resources to help them maintain a thriving, successful life. Feel alone, unworthy, and disabled? You are not. You are worthy, you are valued, and you are valuable. Join us at Invisible Warriors to find resources, training, prayer, advocacy in the the medical and pharmaceutical industries and support with others who get you and what you're going through. You can be successful just differently than before. Today, we have an excellent speaker who has been there, done that, and can tell us that there is life after having a medical challenge come up. And I want to welcome Marsha Moran. Thank you, Nancy. How are you doing today? My brain's not functioning real well, so, (laughs) but other than that, I'm doing great. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing fine as well. Good. That's, I am looking forward to having a conversation, but tell me uh, first, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about why you're here and what you have that's important to talk about. So I had a stroke almost nine years ago and it's like the stroke divided my life. I had pre-stroke, I had post-stroke. And post-stroke is only what matters to me. See, I had a thriving business. I was a marketer. And now I don't do marketing anymore. (laughs) Um, I found that it took me, the stroke took me back to my bare bones. And that rearranged my life. So I learned that the most important thing in life is your family, your friends, and your community. And anything beyond that is gravy. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Yeah. We put so much emphasis on everything out there in the world until, you know, we, we are awakened to what really is important. Yeah. Um, So nowadays I have a business that I actually go out and give people IASIS services. And people go, well, what is that? Nobody knows what IASIS is. Um, That's a microcurrent neurofeedback device that without it, 
I would be, I would have aphasia. So it's pretty important because before this device, I couldn't talk. After this device, I can. That's amazing to me. And aphasia is, tell us a little bit about what that is. So aphasia is the inability to communicate, whether it's speaking, writing, reading, or uh, comprehension, or a mixture of those four modalities. And so with me, people could talk to me, I could hear them and understand what I wanted to say, and I couldn't say the words. It was really frightening. <laughs> and I would get mad, and I'd be less able to speak. Mm. So, yeah. So this machine then, what does it do that has allowed you to, you're speaking now, you're speaking beautifully. What did it do to help you? So, first of all, the National Aphasia Association says that if you have aphasia for more than three months, you will probably have it for life. And I didn't like hearing that. <laughs> so I decided to go out and see if I could find something that could make me better. And for all the people out there, it if, if someone tells you there's no way for you to find something to get better, don't believe them. Because as soon as you stop trying, then it is true. You will not find something that will make you better. So um, I went to one doctor that had something called a laser. You've heard about laser treatment, right? And this was two years after my stroke. And he said, I don't know if I can do anything for you. I'll know in three to five sessions. I went, okay. Um, and he tried the laser on me and I went home and I could speak a little bit better that day. And I went, woohoo, maybe this is it. Well, before I got to him the next time, I was out running, fell down, dislocated my elbow, called my husband and asked him to take me to the hospital. I said, sure. Well, he, he took me to the hospital and when I was there, they gave me morphine. And this is important because the morphine got rid of my aphasia. That, yeah, I thought that was really weird too. Yeah. And I thought, Ooh, there's something out there. Yay. Well, the aphasia came back when the morphine wore off. <laughs> and yeah, okay. And my husband said, sorry, but you don't get more morphine. <laughs> um, but that told me I just had to keep looking. Mm -hmm. So when my elbow was better, I went back to the doctor and uh, continued the laser treatment. And I will tell you that the laser treatment got me 40% better. So what do I mean by that? So if I met you on the street and I could talk to you, I could say, hi, how are you? My name is Marsha. The weather's whatever the weather was. And that's about it. Okay. Um, so I had to really look for the next thing. And the next thing came up at three and a half years after my stroke is this device called the IASIS microcurrent neurofeedback device. And 
I went into another doctor and he said, you got to look at this thing. I think it could help you. This is the URL. And he gave me the URL and I went home and I looked. And it talks about all sorts of things that it treats like ADHD, anxiety, depression, um, traumatic brain injury survivors, uh, stroke, and a whole lot more. And I go, wow, that seemed like an awful lot for something to say, right? So I went a little further and it said that 85% of traumatic brain injury survivors who tried this device got better. And I'm going, huh, 85%. That's an interesting statistic. Now stroke and TBI is different, but the, you think about the results of either one and they're similar, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And a little bit further, I saw that nobody who had this and used the neurofeedback device got worse. Okay. Okay. So it's not going to make me get any worse. I'm going to try it. Right. So I went in and told the doctor and he said, okay, we're going to do some tests before you start. And so I took some tests and he said, okay, so you have PTSD and I'm going, that makes sense. I had a stroke, right? And uh, he used the brain gauge as well. And that's something to treat my cognitive tests and see how well or poorly I do. Okay. And then he gets me set up. So he did my hair up really pretty. <laughs> right. Um, so he made it so that he could wash my skin. And I'm saying wash my skin. It, he, he, he used something that felt like cat spit. Mm. So it's wet, sticky, and really gnarly. And then he put something on my skin that's like a paste and he put um, electrodes on my skin. And he turned on this machine and I could see my brain waves going across, right? Interesting. And I felt nothing. I'm going, okay, is he kidding me? When I went home that day, I spoke a lot better. And 16 sessions later, I speak like I do today. So if you speak to me, I hear it, I understand it. I come up with something to say back and I say, it. there's no delay. There's nothing that I don't have to think of another thing to say. It's awesome. That is just incredible. That that yeah. is miraculous, and and I am sure that for people who knock on wood, that's not one of the things that I've had to deal with. But I do deal with not being able to speak clearly anymore. You know, my brain doesn't function as quickly. Um, I look for words to say. I I'm much less comfortable speaking than I used to be. So I understand a little bit about what you're talking about, because I can't imagine 
not being able to speak. That's what I do. You know, I, I talk and to not be able to do it. And when somebody comes up and asks you questions and I'm going up, uh, you know, and I can't think of the answer, that's scary. So if there's something out there and, and I know, and I'm sure you're not advocating that it's going to help everyone a hundred percent. I I know. Oh, absolutely. So um, like the study said, 15% didn't get better. So there's a chance that you are one of the people that it won't help, but you never know until you try. So let's talk about that for a second. Hold on. I'm going to shut my door because people are moving around. Hold on. <laughs> um, let's talk about that for a second. If you don't try, you're not going to know. That's that's yes. a really important statement. And you've, right. you've mentioned it like three times now. So let's let's look into that just a little bit because okay. I, I see it too. There are all these Facebook groups and there's all these places out there for support groups. I've joined them. I've gotten out of them because for the most part, it seems like when someone gets into a position where they have an issue, it's real easy to moan and groan and whine. Mm -hmm. uh, for a year and a half after my car accident, uh, we lived in the basement of my parents' house because we had moved in there to take care of them. And, you know, of course, there's no elevator. There's, you know, there's stairs to get from the basement to the upstairs. And I was non-weight bearing for a year and a half. I could wow. not get, the only way I could get up and down the stairs was to thump up and down them on my hiney, you know, yeah. and that got real tiresome. <laughs> so I just stayed in bed 24-7. I had a porta potty beside my little day bed I lived in. And I had to do sponge baths instead of, you know, and I was one of those people that just wanted to give up and say, forget it. I'm just going to vegetate for the rest of my life. And then one morning I woke up and it was like I'd been hit on the back of my head from up there and had been told, you're not dying. Yes, your life is different. Get up off your butt and quit complaining. And at that point, I got to the point where I said, all right, I don't want to live life this way any longer. I'm going to figure out what to do. And here I am, you know, I'm supposed to be in a wheelchair. A lot of the time I'm in a wheelchair. You saw me get up and walk to the door and close it a second ago. So, you know, I can do those things if I have to. But how do you get someone to realize that their life isn't over and that there very well may be help out there for them if they just take the chance? Interesting question. So when I was in the hospital right after the stroke, I set a goal to be running a five, uh, 5K on the first anniversary of my stroke. And I worked really hard to get there. And I will tell you that I didn't make it. 
so I decided, okay, one year might've been a little early. So I'm going to make it two years. And I think I would have made it, except I fell down and dislocated my elbow. And at that point I decided maybe I shouldn't run anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should think about something else to do to be healthy. But I think that having a long-term goal and really focusing on how to get there step-by-step-by-step because when you're in the hospital, I hadn't even really been out of bed except to walk around the nurse's station, you know, and I didn't do that very well. But by having a long-term goal that gave me the time to work on different pieces of my body that could help me make it to the one-year point was really helpful. And I think you have to have something worthwhile to you to work towards. And if you don't have that something, then I think you do wallow. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that by wallowing, I didn't ever feel sorry for myself. But I felt sorry for myself. And I said, okay, it's been five or 10 minutes. Maybe that's, what I, was just, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe in a day, but at the end of the day, I worked out. I might not have done anything else, but shower, brush my teeth, maybe comb my hair and work out. And in between, I probably slept a lot. But those are the things that I did consistently for years. Yeah, Uh, I know for me again, you know, there's probably not a day or maybe I I can get through a couple of days, but most days I get angry. I get really mad at the person that was the, the cause of the car accident, you know, the, him not having a driver's license, him not knowing how to drive, him not caring, you know, I get really angry. I get angry at the position I've been put in. And I literally feel sorry for myself, but I allow myself to do that for 10, 15 minutes. And Mm -hmm. then I pull myself back Mm-hmm. And I start counting my blessings. Mm-hmm. And I do this consistently. And by the time I've, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm doing a podcast. I'm one of the top five podcasts in the world for people listening to me. I'm getting ready to have a benefit concert with musicians coming from all over. I, you know, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. I got out of bed this morning, (laughs) you know, I walked from this chair to the door and shut it and back to the chair, you know, it's, you, you look at things big and you look at things small and you say, there's so much that I'm doing now that I could not, nor would have done prior to this accident. How can I be ungrateful for everything that I have. Yeah. And I think gratitude is important. 
Yeah, it is. It really. And I think that's what we need to do as long as it's okay to get angry. It's okay to feel bad for yourself for a little bit of time. I mean, that's, that's human. That's, that's understandable because there's a lot that we've lost. I will never drive again. You know, I will never Mm -hmm. be independent and be able to go out and do things totally on my own without help from someone. So I've lost something, but look at everything I've gotten in in its place. You may not be able to run anymore, but you've got, you've got a book you've written, you know, and I do. And all of these things that you couldn't have written that book if you hadn't had your stroke. No. And I think it's actually amazing that I got something out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, that adds a whole nother level to the whole thing, you know, considering writing a book, I've, I've written a couple of them, but writing a book is not an easy task to do. Number one. And number two, when you can't talk and when you can't think, you know that's that's how do you do that so for you to have been able to have come back from a place where you couldn't even communicate yep so I actually yeah I actually think that writing the book helped me learn to communicate again so I couldn't even think of how to spell words so I spent a lot of time on (laughs) thesaurus.com (laughs) <laughs> one of my favorite tools <laughs> yep. and doing that made me reconnect how words worked mm-hmm. in sentences but I will tell you the first year after I had my stroke I had my husband read the letter that I put out and and it's buts there are a whole bunch of little words that were missing out of my language still. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so it's it took a while. Yeah, well, of course. And I think that's the other thing. I know for me, I want things right now. I, I am not patient. And, you know, and then I say, hey, God, please give me patience. And you know how he does that? By making me have to sit and wait for something. <laughs> That's how you learned patience. <laughs> so, you know, so understanding that any of this is going to take time is important too. You can't just go, I want to be able to speak again tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, there are many people who said that it wasn't possible. You just have to have persistence and stick to and, you know, the, the will to keep going. And yeah. And I was lucky because my doctor got this device and I will tell you in Virginia, there are two of them, mine and his. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries. So in in Virginia, there are two, mine and his. In Maryland, there's one. In D.C., there's zero. And by this time, I think it's been out for 20 years or close to 20 years. So I think that 
if the technology is not there yet, it might be soon. You know, so maybe you want something like moving your arm or something, and I'm just making something up now. Mm -hmm. And maybe there isn't something on the market yet, but I think it will be soon. There's something that I was going to ask you, and you may not know anything about this. I don't know. But um, I had been talking to someone a couple of weeks ago who works with, you call yours a, a biofeedback machine. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between that and what is it that she does? She does, I think hers is with a laser and it's a, it's a feedback of some sort machine as well. What's the difference between the two technologies? Well, I don't really know because I'm not exactly sure of what the laser is that she used, but for my machine, it uses a very, very small charge and I'm talking about one one hundredth of a double A battery to do the feedback. So it goes into your brain and it comes out um, almost simultaneously. Um, so that's what biofeedback is is that she she ran this thing up and down my body and came out with a list showing that I, and it was very, very accurate. It showed that I was allergic to nuts. It showed that I had all this inflammation. It listed all of these different medical issues that I have pain in my back, pain in my ankles, things that she did not know anything about when she ran this laser thing over my body it it told her all the answers to this. Is that the same sort of a thing as what yours is? No, but I'm really curious about this device because now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will get the two of you in touch. Okay. <laughs> because it actually, and she had, she had it turned way, way, way down. And I don't understand anything about it, but she had this thing turned way, way down. But that night, I got really, really sick. And it was like it created all of this phlegm and, and fluid in my body. And it felt like it was sitting on my chest and I was coughing up things and all that. And she said that my body is just not, it's so sensitive to whatever it was that she was doing that it, she just had to do minor, minor, minor little tweaks and things on it and so I thought it was really interesting that running this laser up my body not only showed everything that was wrong with me but actually affected me so. yeah um and it interested because when you say you had all this fun to get rid of I'm thinking maybe it helped you get rid of some of the things that were in your body that were poisonous that's exactly what she said it was doing yeah. So I will, I will connect the two of you, but it's because I haven't had what you do, but I've had this other, I see the potential and I see the power of these things. And yeah. for me, I'm, I'm a skeptic. I'm, I'm old enough to say, I believe in 
doctors. And if the doctor tells me to do this, I'm going to do this. And you come in with this diet or you come in with this, you know, alternative something or other. That's just a bunch of hooey. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Pre-stroke Marsha would have agreed with you. Post-stroke Marsha, not so much. It's, it's amazing. Uh, there's so much out there that we need to learn. And I think as women who have some form of chronic or autoimmune and, and a stroke is, is right along in there, that's one of those chronic illnesses, um, you know, brain and, and mental and all of that goes right along with these chronic illnesses and autoimmune diseases. With 133 million women in the United States being able to say, I'm a part of that club, sign me up, you know. Uh, obviously, standard medical practice isn't cutting it. I agree. You know, we have to look into these other things. You know, I'm getting ready to, I've had three spinal stimulators and this one's not working. I'm getting ready to take it out. They want to put another one in. I said, you know, three's it. I'm not doing another one. It didn't help me that much to begin with. <laughs> but, you know, well, there's nothing else that's going to help you with your pain. And I go, I'll find something else. This hasn't helped me with my pain, you know, but right. that's the only thing that these pain doctors know to do to help. I wonder if the Erconia 635 nanometer laser would help you. I'm at this point, I'm ready to try anything because <laughs> I hurt. <laughs> yeah, so a chiropractor had to give up his practice because he had, um, um, I'm going to say a disintegrating disc in his back. And he got one of these lasers and every year, he uh, actually, he uses it on his back every night. And every year he takes a um, X-ray. And this X-ray shows that his uh, disc is growing back. Now, I had never heard of anyone who could regenerate a disc or any bone, you know. So I think that maybe there's something to this that may be beneficial for you. Yeah, I'll have to check into that and look into it because I truly believe that for these women, not just myself, I'm not, you know, I would love to be able to feel better myself, but I want to find resources for women who are going through. My next door neighbor, who happens to be a member of Invisible Warriors, um, has just recently found out she's got like five different types of arthritis. She's had major strokes. She's now done something to her shoulder that's not a torn rotator cuff, but it's her, her shoulder cavity is filled with fluid and she's got to have surgery to get rid of the fluid. And, you know, she's been to all these doctors. I have literally been to 3000 medical professionals in the nine years since my car accident. That doesn't seem possible. <laughs> I've counted. 
you know no yeah, I, be, I believe you but it just yeah, seems you know it, it could be a nurse it could be a doctor it could be a physical therapist but somebody in the medical community and i'm still no better than i was if not worse than i was originally you know and so we need to find these alternatives but the pro there's a problem with that they are out there mm -hmm. you've got one of them yep. but and this is a but i will say <laughs> for many of us because they don't these alternative medical people don't take insurance the insurance won't take them is what i should say right um, and it's expensive. It's not a cheap solution. When when we are used to paying twenty or thirty dollar copays to go see a doctor, and the doctor writes us a prescription and the prescription's covered and and you know all of that, when we go see somebody like yourself and it's hundred, two hundred, a thousand dollars for a treatment. And then I was talking to this person yesterday and they literally said, well, you get what you pay for. And I'm going, that's fine. And believe me, if I had a thousand dollars for your treatment and you could prove that it very possibly could help me, I would be happy to pay it. I don't have a thousand dollars. Yeah. So what, how do we, combine these newer treatments that have been proven to work with the fact that you've got to have money to pay for them. Yeah. So what I tell clients is that they should look online for a grant. And there are a couple in my state. And so I think that they could do that. They could put up a GoFundMe page. They could sell some items that they own. They could, they could do a number of things. It's a matter of how much they want something. And so I think about where I stood. 16 sessions, I can talk like I do now. That's amazing. So for a little bit of money, I got better and I'm done. There's no medicine to take. So I look at that and it's like, that is worth it to us. Yeah. Yeah. This doctor that I was talking to yesterday, <clears throat> really, really interesting doctor. And she will be on my podcast in a couple of weeks. But she was saying, because she she's a hybrid, she is both a regular medical physician and she's an alternative medical doctor. So she does a bit of both. And she says it's very interesting to see that people that come to her medical practice that pay the $20 copays or whatever it is, don't show up for appointments. They don't do the things they've been told to do. It's they don't take on oftentimes, and obviously this is a generalization, but she's seen right. this enough times that she can say it's it's a it's a reality. Um, they don't take on any of the 
accountability for any of their own help. They put it all on the doctor. And if something doesn't happen, it's not their fault. You know, they paid, their insurance paid, they, this and that and the other thing. But yet when she has people who come to her alternative practice and they're paying $1,000 for a series of visits, they come, they show up, they get better. They do the things they're supposed to do. And miraculously, they start to feel better. So it's interesting that you said that you've got two kinds of patients. One visits her um, and it's paid by insurance. One they pay themselves. I wonder if there's something about the way we think. Yes. And that's the the people who think, I'm going to say outside of the box, go to the alternative side when the other side doesn't make any sense for them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's what she continued to say was she says there's a big, and that's one of the things that they work on on the alternative side is mindset. You know, yeah. you've, you've got to have the proper mindset in order to see these things work. And it's like I was saying, well, you know, I don't believe this stuff works. You know, don't, don't try to sell me your... Um, magnets because magnets don't work that's just screwy you know that kind of thing where for some people magnets do work yeah so i i think that's looking on the pessimistic side of things which i've been told i do quite well <laughs> um you know well geez i'm gonna spend a thousand and again it's mindset i'm gonna spend a thousand dollars and there's no guarantee this is gonna help but there's also no guarantee that it won't help. Absolutely. It's all the way you look at it. And I truly, truly do believe that if you look at the, at the counting the blessings, if you look at the positive in things, that you're going to see a better outcome than if you say, well, this isn't going to work. Yeah. So if nothing works, then why get out of bed? That's right. It's got to be something out there that's going to help you. And if you realize that you are an individual, we're not a one of us, even twins, I think, have differences. I'm not I'm not a doctor, so I don't know that for sure. But I would assume that they have some things that are different in their bodies. You know, it might work for one and not for another. And I think it's just really interesting that we have to think that we're individuals and that if we don't. I love the statement, if you don't try, the answer is no. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, so that's my mantra. You know, get out there and try. I might actually get a yes for something. <laughs> so, well, we are coming to the end of our time. Um, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I would love to be able to see your product work, you know, in, in real life, that would be exciting for me. And um, I really have enjoyed learning about it today. Is there anything special you want to tell us real quick about your book? Where can somebody get your book and what's it about? Yeah. So my book is called Stroke Forward, How to Become Your Own Healthcare Advocate One Step at a Time. 
it is available at Amazon. And I will say that you always need to look ahead. So you can look back for a few minutes and think about it, but don't dwell. There's no use in dwelling. Just look forward. Absolutely. That's what we've been talking about this whole show. Is there anything that you're doing right now that you would like for the audience to know? You know, how can they work with you? How can they get a hold of you to ask you questions? They can go to my website. That's www.strokeforward.com. And they can book an appointment on my calendar. Um, they could email me. That's Marcia. That's M-A-R-C-I-A at strokeforward.com. And if they want to think about what they want to do with me, they can help share my message. That's what I would really like. Um, because everybody needs to know about those. They might not use it them for themselves. But if they share the message and it goes out further, I've done my job. Absolutely. And this will all be in the show notes when the podcast gets published, all the ways to contact you and information about your, your equipment. So hopefully we'll get a lot of people talking about it and sharing it. So thank you so, so much. Really, really, really appreciate it. Guys, you have been listening to Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. If you haven't already, please give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. To wrap things up often after a podcast, people want to know a little bit more about some of the things that we're doing at Invisible Warriors. And if you'd like to hop on a Zoom, my contact information is also in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. See you next week. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Today's podcast has been brought to you by the Invisible Warriors Club, a program of Invisible Warriors. They see how hard life is for these women and hate that the world doesn't seem to understand that these diseases slash disabilities are serious, life-changing challenges which bring about poor medical treatment high and unrealistic medical bills, lack of ability to sustain working conditions and loss of family cohesiveness. Through advocacy and programs, this organization extends a nurturing hand, fostering both awareness in the community and individual growth amidst adversities. Join them by heading over to the Invisible Warriors website for more information on how to join the club. <laughs>